I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I don't like blood and guts. But I love them when they're lengthily It's Cujo, woof, woof. Stop. Cujo time. Who let the Cujo? <laughs> oh, we were going to work on that whole Cujo medley. I know. I did my, I, I kicked it off and you told me you would have at least five minutes. Uh, oh, yeah. Sorry. Um, mine is, uh, 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 how much is that Cujo in the window? <laughs> oh, shit. I, I didn't think you'd actually prepare it. No, now, I, now I don't know how to go ahead. Um, um. Oh well, welcome to With Gorley and Rust. Oh, okay, we're yeah, your co-hosts. Uh, I guess we'll Paul just do Rust the podcast. And, and Matt Gorley will do a podcast. That's an easy listening uh, look at horror movies. Yeah, hey, we go it's on at length. King. It's cozy. Uh, you don't have to listen if you don't want to. But I just recommend you do because this episode is about the Stephen King 1983 canine thriller known as Cujo. Canine now. Like the, not the canine thriller story to Jim Belushi. No, that wasn't a thriller or a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> it's no tuner and, ho- tuner and hooch. Tuner and hooch. Tuner and hooch. <laughs> well, speaking of this, Cujo is Beethoven. Okay, so when I was watching, <laughs> I made some jokes in my mind yeah. that that's Beethoven. Is it the... According to this dog's IMDb page... This oh. Cujo, well, I think there was five dogs that played Cujo, but at least there was one, one of them. star. One, yeah, yeah, one Beethoven in yeah. there. And that was the Beethoven. I think so. Man, uh, it's funny because, um, well, you know, my favorite uh, dog performance is uh, yes. Mushroom of playing course. Barney and Gremlins. Yeah, hard to beat. But uh, I do love the St. Bernard and Beethoven. Yeah. And I did think this. St. Bernardi had something in his eye. It wasn't even how he looked. It was just like his method, you know, just his, his, it, his, his X yes, factor. Yeah. Whatever his X factor that the camera just happens to caption, capture. Yeah. Yeah. And caption. Probably you see <laughs> captions written about him. Uh, but this is our number eighth of the Spring King fling. Only two left. And I thought about this after uh, Cujo got picked and I was like, oh, our remaining two. 
Carrie and the Mist are the oldest and our most recent oh, of the Stephen King shit. ones. So no matter what, we're going to end on a most recent or a most of, uh, the oldest. If all is going the way the universe seems to be going, and that is last time we did the one-off selections, it was all of your five, then all of my five chosen yep. randomly. Mm -hmm. Now we've been alternating chosen randomly. So the next pick has chosen to randomly, be- Chosen randomly, it's been alternating. Yeah, yeah right. Okay. Carrie. Carrie has to be next. If, for the for life to be worth living. No, the mist has to be next. Wait, you chose Cujo? No, you chose Cujo. No, you chose Cujo. No, what was the one before Cujo? Christine. I chose Christine. Yeah. So and you I chose, chose Cujo. Cujo. And the next one has to be Carrie. Oh, you're right. I'm a dumb, silly. Don't be hard silly on Billy yourself. AM. There's a lot of names to start with C. And oh no, wait, Children of the Corn. No, you're okay. Okay. You must have chosen Cujo. I chose You're Cujo. not a silly Billy, Paul. Oh, I gosh. was a silly Billy Ooh. all along. No, neither of us are silly. Um, no, that billions. was a Shyamalan twist. When you This whole time, <laughs> listeners are thinking, Paul is a silly Billy, and then we twisted it. And we, I want you to know we had rehearsed all that, and this, that was a presentation. <laughs> so you, the next one will have to be The Mist That's right. in order to keep this. Uh, now, I was just thinking, this is only happening, obviously, because we do a horror podcast, and yes. only horror movies get like curses on them, like uh -huh. Poltergeist. Like, Shout out to Cursed Films by Jay Cheel, friend of the show. That's right. Yeah, on yeah, Shudder. You only, uh, by us dabbling in the dark arts of horror movies... Are we having weird things like I pick randomly have the first five and you and then but if we do it again, if we ever have to randomly pick movies in, is there anything that could be weird? Weirder than the I get first five, you get second five randomly, and then the zipper one? What if we each choose five, but then it keeps choosing yours over and over again? <laughs> none of ours. <laughs> we pick five, but gonna, none of the movies are the ones we pick. Choosing the munchies. Matt, have we even talked about? I I know we're going to take a little, take a, a little itty bitty break. Yeah, but do we even know what we're going to do when we come back? Buddy? I was going to bring it up to you. Do you want to like we Ooh. we don't have to decide okay. on tape? Yeah, tape. It's tape, but we, we can, we're analogs. Heads. We can spitball. We can brainstorm. Okay. 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 So, what are some ideas that have already come up? Oh, if this is fun. Um, okay. Uh, 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 the the holiday ones. Yeah. That's right, but we I think we wanted to save that till end of the year Correct. so we could go move right. into Christmas. Yes. And yes. or even was that even early next year like end on Valentine's Day or something? I forget. Yeah, yeah, kind of floated in the next yeah. year. Um okay, so then there was a uh the the du duos, the twosomes? The like the some twosomes? Like a a good like first movie and a sequel. Yeah, but maybe that just also went under another uh, a, 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 a batch, a batch of curiosities. I have an improvement on that that yeah. I wish I could remember the name of the person. Someone sent this in. This is not my idea. And if, if you are who you are, let me know and we'll trust that it will only be one person. Watch 20 people are going to go, this me. Makes and remakes. Ooh, so that's original fun. blob, the original thing, then the remake. Okay, I mean that's a that's, that's a suggestion. Cool. That's a suggestion because cool. there's like Carrie, there's let the right one in. There's yeah. The, oh, and the new Firestarter is coming out too. Oh, God, a lot of these are Stephen King's. We could almost do a full. Yeah, Stephen then King there's remake. the the other uh, Pet Cemetery. But the the Stephen King one could be 
I mean, a Spring King Fling 2 just kind of rolls off the tongue. You mean like we just go right back and do another Spring King Fling? Well, I, I meant next year. Next, next year, next yeah. Spring. Right. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, because there's no Summer King Bummer. Uh, Well, we could just say his name is Sumner. So a sum, oh, so we could just do all Sumner. Sting songs. <laughs> What other ones did we? Uh, were there any? Uh, well, we we've always uh, toyed with like '90s horror too. Right. Like now, now, and also Matt, what you just said, we've often toyed. If we want to go back in the franchise land, there's Child's Play talking about oh, to that's toys. Right. How many Child's Plays are there? I think there are eight Child's Plays. <sighs> we could. One for each centimeter tall that he is. I don't know what, how tall he is or how big a centimeter is. He'd be about this tall. About six inches tall, I think. Something like That's that. really Five funny that inches. it's that height. Yeah. Whatever six inches. Remember, think of that as um, uh, a kid putting up their thumb and finger. Yeah. A couple of days ago, my daughter uh, cracked up my wife and I big time. She was like, we got a new a uh, teacher at school. We're like, really? She's like, yeah, she's this tall. And she held up her fingers that look six inches. And I was like, wow. So what did she mean? Very funny. No, she just she's was just like, making a joke. Making a joke. I was like, we got a new teacher and she's tiny. <laughs> uh, oh, heaven. Uh, heaven. Um, well, I'll tell you what heaven is. Uh, well, it's a bummer that the highlight of uh, the experience has already happened when I came in and saw oh. your baby Glenn. She's bouncing today. Oh, she's got her my. in a full. Gosh. Kids parachute harness bouncing off the door frame. I had uh, to uptown funk. I should have yeah. just turned right around and left the house because it wasn't going to get any better. No, come on. Uh, but enough of us talking about it. Wait till you see if she does a bungee jump later off the roof. <laughs> <laughs> then there's so there is, like, or there's like rather than just 90s, because mm-hmm. we could do like a 90s grab bag, meaning like a still know what you did, a final destination, a house of wax. Uh, oh yeah, Final uh, Destination, was Urban awesome. Legend. Yeah, yeah. Or we could do all the Final Destinations. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, oh. You're saying within the '90s grab bags, there are some kind of inner. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. Final Destination goes on for a while. Yeah. Right? There's, there's like five, five or six. six. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh. Why did that make me think of um? Oh, uh, this is under the realm of other franchises too. Was uh, Psycho and uh, Texas Chainsaw? But the Texas Chainsaw is a long franchise, my friend. And it's got about eight reboots, right? Yeah, it's got a it's it's um it's a lot to bite off for. But maybe, hey, Paul, variety is the spice (laughs) of life. There are a lot of that I haven't seen, so I think that's my fear. Is like. We commit to something, and I'm I like, know. I didn't know this was gonna be this. Yeah. Um, Are we missing anything? Uh, oh, uh, 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 I think it was also um, uh, horror, sus- like, uh, um, I don't know if this was ever suggested, but I'll throw it in there, please. Um, the like the yuppie nightmare movie. Like, uh, of like fatal attraction, Pacific Heights, oh. unlawful entry. Oh. These, like, I love this because it's it comes from a place of cozy. It's like the cozy, yuppie dream is yes. we're gonna get a house in the Pacific Heights of San Francisco. Wait, our landlord is Michael Keaton, the nut. 
Does single white female fall in this? Most definitely, my friend. Yes, because they're okay, in upscale New York and oh, the, yeah, the temp. Probably. So you got Pacific Heights. You've got Fatal Attraction. Uh, unlawful Entry. Yeah, Sleeping with the Enemy. Sleeping with the Enemy. I was just gonna think of that. Yeah. I was just gonna think of that. Basic single instinct white might fit under there, but you know that's maybe a little too because uh, that's bordering into erotic. Erotic. But wait, I'm thinking of an is hand that rocks the cradle. Oh, most definitely. That is like by definition. A, I'm liking this because it's the yuppie nightmare of like, hey, we could be rich yuppies and have yeah. a living nanny. There's nothing wrong with a little indulgence, <laughs> right? Until then, it's uh-oh. Rebecca De Mornay. Is she the nanny or the yeah. wife? Yeah, she's the nanny. I haven't seen a lot. Fran Drescher is too, but <laughs> a different project. Uh, so I like those as well. But I don't know, you know, you, you want to play this out because if somebody's here because they love the, you know, the Let's gore, play, um, maybe you wouldn't get the gore in that. Although they get pretty gory. Fuck nanny kill. Cindy Crawford, Fran Drescher, Hitler. <laughs> Oh man, that's a tough fuck nanny kill. <laughs> um, I'm liking that. This is the first I've heard of this idea. And I mean, the thing that makes me happy is that we'll eventually probably get to all of these. Yes. But that's So what do we do? We just kinda of mull it over for a bit. I guess people on the do- Patreon they could hear this episode and yeah. if they want to And if in. you have other ideas, we'd love for you yeah. to chime in. I should put up a post. That's good. I'll put up a post because we've still got two episodes before we got to figure this out yeah, completely. Yeah. Then we are going to take a, few, a, a little bit of a bigger break this time. But in that time, we're going to f- just release the, the Myers episodes probably two a week, something mm-hmm. like that. And the cozy bracket plus the regular commentaries and mailbag episodes mailbags, will all yeah. be there. So there'll be stuff to keep you excited and excitable. And then we'll be back with something exciting, like possibly yeah. the yuppie nightmare. Who knows? Well, who knows? Uh, and we, uh, 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 the the commentary we just did was Mr. Bob, and that was so much fun. The Mr. Momentary. <laughs> it was That's right, so Mr. much Momentary. fun. That's the first time I'm hearing that. I Me like too. It's the first time I'm saying it. it. That was so much fun that we may do it annually. Perennial, yeah. Maybe every Father's Day. Oh. <sighs> Mother's Day God, yeah. or the exact date between Mother's and Father's Day. It feels Day. like it's got to be Mother's Day. Yeah. I um, guess. Which is close. Yes, you know, very so close. Can, next time we'll line that up. If you're um, a Baby Freddy subscriber on the Patreon, you get that. Yeah. And then the movie you pick for the next commentary is quite a doozy. You don't say what it is, but it's going to be people like, what did you say? You just bubbled I, it? I did. That's okay. But I didn't say which. I didn't say. Okay. Okay. But if anybody's following along, they would have to know which one it is. Also, I felt like <laughs> I talked over you. So if you rewound, they dropped the channel. Yeah. They took out my sound. Yeah. In, enhanced back audio. Yeah. <laughs> he said the title of the movie. Twice. Go, go, go. They said the title of this movie a few times. Oh, this is kind of a yuppie nightmare in a way. It is. And I would say Children of the Corn was. Yeah. Too. That's right. uh, That they, it was like, we're driving off to our promising job in Seattle, but now these corn kids are getting up her butt. With this, (laughs) there was also a continuation of, uh, hey, if it's the early 80s and you're still on the beard train, you're a dirty hippie. In this one, in in Cujo, her 
adulterous. Oh, the local stud? The local stud, big beard. Yeah. But that's because he's a guy who goes around wrecking homes. Right. Now, this man who goes out and has a national and campaign, ad campaign, smooth baby skin. Yeah. Smooth baby skin. Yeah. And a really nice car while his wife is Riding around in a piece of shit that well, breaks. Was, was that it, ever no. teased out in the movie as like a weird thing? We're going to have to talk about this marriage because I have some questions. But just real quick, you said once that Corn Kid should have been the title of Children of the Corn. But I would like to propose it's what you just said. I got these corn kids up my butt. <laughs> well, it's like, uh, yeah, like the, uh, what do you got a corn cob up your butt? <laughs> what do you got some corn kids up your butt? I just also want to take a moment. And say how brilliant Yuppie Nightmare season suggestion is. That's just well, thanks, brilliant. Matt. Brilliant. I, I haven't. I wasn't the one who termed that term for the for the genre. I just want to be clear about that. Still, other people have used the, the fact term that you bring it to the table. Yeah. All right. Let's do a little tiny bit of business sure. here. First of all, we talked to you already about that Patreon where you can get the Mister mm-hmm. Mom and Terry, and mm-hmm. uh, and many others. Mister Mom and Terry Gar. Oh, Mister Mom and Terry Gar. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Momentary Terry Gar. Gar. Oh, shit. Okay, we're that also going to, if anybody subscribes to the Patreon at the Xenomorph level, the baby Xenomorph level, Woo! that means you get your name read. And if you haven't had your name read and you are a Xenomorph, email us at withgorleyandrust at gmail.com. We will read it. Okay, the first one is Carrie Kihayan. Carrie Kihayan. Uh Oh, also... They want their name read in my impeccable Cary Grant dialect. <laughs> K- Kelly Kehan. <laughs> I'm Kelly Grant. Kelly Kehan. All right. That, I'm sorry. Good. I apologize. Um, he said his own name too. <laughs> Michael Pierce would like his kids shouted out. Andrew and Sophia. Aww. You got, oh, and if Irvin Kirshner happened to be in the studio. I got, <laughs> we're getting tangled in. That's good. Uh, Andrew and Sophia. James Sutherland. <laughs> Alexander Plambeck. Um, uh, but instead, would you read my cat's name, Riley Bear, of course. <laughs> uh, Riley Bear. I'm sorry. If, oh, it looks like you lost Riley Bear. Uh, I hope Riley Bear oh. will never encounter Mr. Cujo. And, um, oh my God, Christopher Jost wants his name read by Michael Caine. I'm not good at that. Christopher Jost. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just Cary Grant all over again. Uh, N.A. Watson. And finally, Adam Sullivan. Hey, thanks, everybody. Okay. Wow. Thank you very much, all. Baby Xenomorphs. Now, um, let's see what else. We've got a musical gig coming up with right. Don't Stop or Will Die in Townland 5-3 at the Federal Bar. Yeah, if you're here this, uh, the, the week early... Uh, you can get your tickets now online. You can get them at the door. Yep, that's right. And I think that's all the business hey, except right. to move to the pleasure of Cujo. I'm dying to say my general thoughts. Yeah, share them. Do you remember when we were talking about predictions on these movies? I think it was the little mini episode did we did this the like in betweener, mm-hmm. and I said there's a, there's a dark horse chance Cujo could. Be mm-hmm. my favorite. Mm. I fucking loved this movie. Hey, all right, my oh, man. Oh, my God. I, I think maybe I'd seen some of the dog car scenes, but uh-huh. I don't remember. I never remembered any of the family drama. Yeah, I've seen this movie twice, and I forget so much of the family drama yeah. stuff. 
particularly the the yeah the 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 affair so so you this was a really first time beginning to end for you yes and you got sucked in by the cooge oh i got cooged <laughs> i've been cooged uh what were your previous I guess, yeah, your previous thoughts about it was like, this could be a dark horse, a dark dog. Yeah, but I didn't go in thinking it would be, actually. And it, it just... What did you love about it? So why, <sighs> what, what, what's uh, having it lead the pack, so to speak? Well, generally, so bark. I think the it's... D. Wallace and Danny Pintaro are so good yeah. in this. Mm -hmm. It's almost tough to watch because I feel like Danny Pintaro is actually scared at times as There's two times in the movie where I'm like... This isn't fun. Not that it's supposed to be fun yeah. all the time, but I'm just like, uh. But it's the most scared I've been the whole Spring King fling, I have to say. Like when that right dog on, is just battering at that door and do you they're think, trapped in there. Do you think it's partly because this is the first um, and only non-paranormal like Stephen King? Yes, I was thinking that that this again feels real. I feel like it yeah. could have I feel like it could have happened. Yeah, could no, like uh there, yeah, all of this is within the realm of possibility. Yeah. You could find yourself in a car with a dog and you can't get out of the car. A so dog, that's yeah, what makes a, it scary too. A dog that has the same origin story as Batman could come to kill you. You know, I thought, that's funny, it is the same. Uh, I thought of this, I felt like the comparison most was um, uh, Jaws. Yeah, and because of the slow burn too. This is the slowest of slow burns. The slow burn, and even like with the um, Jaws book, I know that there's that Brody affair. Yeah, but just this kind of thing oh, of like, yeah. well, you can't have the demented animal carry the story, so you have to have some human drama kind of unfolding. But then the end of just like you build up the animal, you build up the drama, and then the last. 30 minutes or so is just isolation Ooh, with those characters, whether off. it be on a boat or in a, in a yeah. Pinto. Yeah. Uh, and there's some parts where I'm like, Cujo's just going full jaws on this car. Like yeah. when he started banging his head, I'm like, he's <laughs> taking his lessons from jaws. He knows how to bring down a <laughs> vessel. So what are your opening thoughts on Cooge? Uh, uh, oh, um, I picked it cause I remembered liking it. And wanting to revisit it and feeling like it would be fun to revisit it. Um, I'm glad to hear you liked it because I did have that experience. Like once they got in the car, I was like, I hope this is fun. I hope people want this isn't like a unpleasant bummer horror movie that it's like. So I started getting a little nervous. Oh. But I liked it. I'd say the things that I like most. Yes, the D. Wallace and the... Uh, um, Danny from Who's the Boss. Yeah. Their performances are a really Pintaro good. Pintaro in a Pinto. I kept, when I, uh, 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 again, thank you for the, the wonderful notes. Um, oh, Brantley Palmer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, um, but when I read the notes, every time I said Pintaro Pinto, it was like, my eyes would cross. I was like, Danny yeah. Pinto? They're driving in a, around in a Pintaro? What? <laughs> oh, you got to pull over. Quit trying to read this. 85 miles per hour on the freeway at night. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, I thought those two were good. And then, oh my gosh, I think maybe my favorite part of it, that sweet Jan de Bont cinematography. Oh, so nice. So this dude, you know, he's, he gave, I think, the 80s like their look outside yeah. of like Michael Mann or whatever. Right. Like, 
uh, all those uh, the Die Hard movies and stuff. But there, I like that it's a horror movie that's like pretty much all in daylight. Yeah, I really, my, I think my favorite part then kind of goes against this is that like foggy morning. Yes, loved the foggy morning. Yeah. But I guess they used a naval fog machine for that, and the fire department came out because they thought a fire had been set. Yeah, I read that in Bradley's notes. That was so crazy yeah. that uh, uh, and they they made it so that they can test sonar, right? Oh, is that right? Yeah, they like built a machine so they could build fog, so then they could see how much they could. Yeah, wow. <laughs> wild. The Cujo's like, hey, can we use that? But yeah, just that it's like all in daylight. And still scary. And then um, I'm a real just, I love those like one locale things. And then you just start trying to figure out different ways to make the one location interesting. And so all that stuff when she's like getting out of the car or um, when the camera's like spinning around inside the car. The 360, I did not know how they did that until we got Brantley's notes. Yeah, it's like a... A magic trick or whatever. You're watching and you're going like, first you go, okay, I think I know how they're doing it. Wait, how are they doing it? By the end, I thought I figured it out. It's an upside down periscope. Right? Isn't that because that's what yes. was in the okay, picture so of his I notes. Thought, But what I thought it was was like a... Um, I didn't know that. I thought it was like a um, on a tripod getting turned around. I did too at first. On top. But- like oh. they're on top. Oh, but the, 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 my eyes must've just glazed over the periscope of it all. But, uh, uh, I only think that because he talks about the, that's the contraption in that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so if people didn't see it, it's like a, oh, periscopic lens. Paris. Oh, okay. 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 So that's how the camera can like use a mirror to get down in there and bounce so. it back up. So it's only like a little L-shaped lens, I would imagine, that's in there. I see. So then, okay, so it's the same system I was thinking of that somebody's up there spinning it around. Yes. But the way they get that tube down is through the periscopic yeah. lens. Wow. Do you think they had a Kelsey Grammer on set that day to say down periscope? <laughs> no. Why would they? That seems weird. I think they would have. By the way, if you hear a shrill screaming in the back, it's my daughter who's developed this new noise she loves, which I can only compare to when the like stormtroopers get killed in Crawl and that little bug crawls out of their head and they go. Uh, <laughs> oh, I saw that movie just thanks yeah. to you. Buddy. Yeah. Um, well, and she's also making that sound because Cujo's just been attacking this house this whole time. It's a problem. The neighborhood's full of Cujo's. Yeah, everybody's. No bats, windows are so messy with dogs, oh, slobber, and gunk. But I'm feeling like there's a butt on the end of your... Did it not do that much for you, the movie? Were you, were you heading oh. that way or no? And speak freely. Oh, I guess what it was, was I just, I didn't enjoy it as much as the first two times I watched it. So it left me thinking, was I wrong? Gotcha. Um, but there's a lot of stuff to like, what did I not like if there was a but? Um, it is a slow burn, but I wish I would have just, once the doggy kills Kate happened, I wish they had just been a little 
more gruesome. I'm sorry, I'm being a little more gorehound myself here, a little gorehound away. Go, but I I was just after that wade. I was kind of hoping for some real good dog attacks. I mean, they didn't have it. I was bummed out about that. I see. Um, and then (laughs) just such a fucking twelve year olds (laughs) criticism. It's a Stephen King movie. Who's the dog would attack more? You're entitled. Uh, It's a Steve. Stephen. It's literally in the title. Uh, but then, uh, um. I think I would have just liked I I think there could have just been a little bit more that they could have discovered between the mother and the son. Like mm. that was physically perilous when they were there. But it didn't ever get like emotionally perilous where like it shouldn't be this. It's a bad idea. But the kid just like while they're waiting for Cujo to like eat them and it's hot in their car and they're like cracking the windows and he's like just before he's about to like suck on his tongue and <laughs> die. If he's like, what's going on with you and dad? Right. Like, Yeah, true. You guys are, are you cheating on dad? Like they're just all that stuff that had been going around up until that point. I was like, oh, that'd be awesome. It just kind of like exploded in this moment because it it is so ripe for like that kind of drama because you're trapped in a hot car and you can't so get right. out. You're so right. And because, you know, you get a lot of movies where flawed men are the heroes and they have their kind of tragic awakening and they realize what they have is what they want. And then they, they get a redemption yeah. moment. Yeah. yeah. And so this is maybe happening here, but they don't really seem to give her a revelation Although it's implied throughout the just the arc of it, but it's so strange she she's not a great mother because she's kind of impatient with him, and mm-hmm. I know she's under trauma. But even before that, she cheats on her husband, doesn't apologize. She just says, "I'm done with it." And and no, I I when I was watching, I was, I was like. Uh, this is a far more complicated uh, female protagonist than in dramas that like to think they have complicated female protagonists. I know, I yeah. loved it. But I am just thinking yeah. like if if you, if you it had what you were discussing, a moment between the son where she kind of has to explain to the son what's happened and in her own right realizes and crystallizes what's important for her, her son, yeah. her husband. I think that was probably also a bit of it. It was kind of like waiting for that moment to click where it's kind of like... Um, Oh, all the stuff that she was having, um, not to say that like, oh, she was wavering and then she had to be committed to motherhood. It was just like, I was, that seemed what the movie was kind of like, um, getting to. And so then, I mean, I, I, I thought the movie was cool that it didn't end on a freeze frame of all three of them hugging. Cause I think they knew they didn't earn that. But it's indicative but it, of something they didn't earn in general. It did know? end on a freeze frame, though, that's for sure. Yes, it did. But like yeah. before Embrace, it was like yeah. a very interesting freeze frame. Yeah, um, like the real Cujo, your marriage is going to be reckoned with in Cujo, too. <laughs> I mean, also, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I kind of just wanted uh, like a Bambi-esque animals only story about Cujo. <laughs> As the possessed Cujo or the one that starts, uh, he's not possessed, but no, rabid. I mean, like my, I mean, Cujo? I knew within this first scene he gets Cujoed, <laughs> <laughs> but I honestly was like, 
can we add like a half hour of just seeing how Cujo bops around the world? I know that a was happy dog pretty amazing. Bo- uh, the opening scene. Oh, it looked like a live action Disney movie. Yeah. I mean, that's like uh, it was all glossy. Oh, and the and, score too. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. I mean, uh, uh, it, it was like very yeah of that time, just like this like Spielberg's version of like Disney. Yeah. So. And that was a uh, um, all that stuff was very cozy, a cozy movie <sighs> for sure. Um, and, and I did have the thought when they got trapped in the car. You know how some all horror movies, most of them, start cozy, and then they don't get so cozy. Yeah, but even kind of when they're not so cozy, you're still cozy, right? Like uh, Friday Thirteen, it's like, well, people are getting killed, but I'm in a nice little cabin here. Yeah, it's dry. Or, yeah, yeah. Or at Halloween, I'm sitting on a nice little couch. Yeah. But with this, it wasn't cozy once no, they were in the car. not cozy. Yeah, it wasn't Decidedly like... not cozy. The Pinto was <laughs> the butt of all jokes of this era. Yeah. So can now, can we get to this? Why does he drive a nice car and his wife has to... Well, like, maybe. I mean, because the whole time in this movie, you're just getting examples as to why she's not really a good wife and mother. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of going out of their way to say like, like show how much the boy loves his dad and all this stuff. But yeah, maybe he's a real dick with the finances. And he's like, I get to drive this shiny red sports car and you're going to drive an old Pinto. Like they would have a shot of like her car looking shitty, broken down with Cujo walking around it. Then it would cut to his car, him jumping off it and speeding off. It's like, nobody's going to bring up. Didn't have to be this way. And they live in a nice house too. Yeah. So maybe I missed something. I could see maybe if she's like, I do think D. Wallace, this was her third year in a row of being hippie mom who's with a creature or hippie lady who's with a creature. So E.T. this and what else? So the Halloween was Howling. Oh, Howling, yeah. Uh, right. was 81. And in that, she's like a newscaster, but you're supposed to see her as like a left progressive newscaster who goes into this new age mm-hmm. world of like werewolves. And then E.T., it's like, the hippie mom, the divorcee, yeah, and then um, this, and, and in some ways, it was like it's like the furthest extent of this because it's kind of like, oh, she is in a marriage, but she's having an affair, and uh, uh, like I wondered if the if they would have explained it, maybe, or, or if this was the case, I could we could just make up in our minds, like she wants to have the pinto, like he's encouraging mm. her. When are you going to trade in that piece of crap and get a cool yuppie car like me that the ad agency could buy for you, right. baby? Yeah. And she's like, no, no, no. I want to have affairs with bearded hippies. This is my mea culpa. If I have an uh-huh. affair with, quote, the local stud, I have to drive around a shit car. Yes. It's the only way I can live with myself. It's her scarlet letter. Yes. The scarlet letter of P for Pinto. Let's talk about this affair. Okay. Yeah. Her real husband. Ah, I didn't know that. D. Wallace is real husband, and he plays her love interest in The Howling. Right, I didn't know that. And they got great chemistry, and he passed away. They were married, know, and they 55. passed away. So they had Heart a love. Attack. Yeah, amazing. That's beautiful that they were in movies together, and they were still married. When they, uh, um, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So this affair, it's kind of like um, he's buddies with the husband. I wasn't one hundred percent sure on how that works. I thought at first he was like a handyman, but then they're playing tennis. And then the next thing you know, they cut hard cut to D Wallace 
and him in bed together. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's in no clothes and <laughs> she's just wearing a full on burgundy colored head to toe, like Puritan nightgown. <laughs> It really threw me. I was like, I don't know what, if you're going to have an affair, I don't think you need to dress that conservatively. What if she had um, been wearing an E.T. costume? <laughs> like, uh, what's her name in, in uh, Mr. Mom and Terry? Yes. Uh, well, you know, that's funny that I said, uh, or uh, funny to me, uh, that uh, uh, you, there's a deleted scene in E.T. that hasn't been seen. There's only on still, on set production stills of E.T. gets a crush on the mom. Oh. And she comes in and she's got her, she's laying down on the bed with her back exposed. Like, So if you were looking for some skin in a D. Wallace in a bed, E.T. could have provided it for you. Not Cujo. Not Cujo, be- but E.T., the extraterrestrial, and E.T. comes in while she's asleep and leaves her Reese's Pieces on the bed. You can see oh. pictures for this on- oh. online. And do you think D. Wallace is like, oh, no. I'm not showing skin. Last time I did that, it got cut. I want this in the movie. Yeah, I know how this works. They cut it because a puritanical American yeah. doesn't want to see my skin. But this scene is important, so I'm wearing a parka. <laughs> a pilgrim dress. Uh, yeah, and then... Uh, um, uh, yeah, I just feel like he's always wet. The but Her love interest. Oh, yeah. She's like sweaty and but wet curls. like skin's wet but his hair couldn't be more dry it's feathered and quaffed and his beard is yeah you know what they make a miscalculation by casting her real life husband i think they should have been switched yeah yeah because i partly also like don't watch this and think she should be with the husband it's not like a uh, get your ducks in a row this husband you're with is awesome yeah because he's kind of a at first he's a little Dry, drip. yeah, he's a bit of a drip. Well, you said dry, and I said drip, but they kind of get the same thing, even though their texture drip dry, like the local stud. Yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, um, and yeah, I guess with the affair, it eventually she calls it off. Yeah, um, and then I did think though that like I don't, you know. From the very beginning of this podcast, I said, I don't think Friday the 13th is necessarily about you have sex and do drugs and Jason kills you. I don't think that's what the movies are about. Um, So I'm not going to say that about Cujo. You can. Uh, But it did make me think of Contagion. Have you watched Contagion post-pandemic? I started to write when the pandemic broke, but we didn't get through it. I mean, I remember thinking this the opening weekend when I went and saw Contagion in the theater. Like, the reveal at the end is like... Oh, the reason it happened was because Gwyneth Paltrow was having an affair and went on a date and ate some bad food on the affair. And, oh, you know, if married women just wouldn't fuck around, we wouldn't have uh, pandemics. <laughs> like that seemed to be the like, yeah, the takeaway of Contagion. We wouldn't have so, pandemics or Cujos. <laughs> so with this, I did think like, huh? Or uh, this is the price you pay for an affair. You get cujoed. You'd get cujoed, pandemic, or thanks for the ride, ladied. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. I, it is funny that it is seems to be like tales from the crypt type stories, or when these things happen, I and it's probably uh, all not, ri- not written or made by many people who've been in a situation to date at all. Probably <laughs> written by men whose wives have cheated on them, but not in ways that. 
they want it to be the case. Like probably because they were horrible bastards and the wife just had to get out. Well, you know, Stephen King seems like a very uh, loyal husband and stuff. Uh, but, you know, in Cujo, uh, spoiler alert, in the book, the kid actually dies. I didn't know that. Um, I, I, I just realized I have not fully read oh, the oh. research notes and will at our next oh, uh, pee break. That's all good. Uh, the um, And in the book, and Stephen King was like, oh, I wish I had ended it where the kid didn't die in the book because he should have lived like in the movie. All his characters die. Every movie's ending up that way. That's true. Corn kids up your butt. Uh, just wait until Carrie. The, but the uh, uh, yeah, when uh, sorry, uh, Cujo, Danny Pintaro, D. Wallace, Stephen King. Oh, oh, Stephen King. Uh, uh, if I was his wife, and I read this book, I'd be like, wait a minute, the wife has an affair, gets attacked by the dog, and then the son dies. Yeah, uh, buddy. <laughs> What's going on over here? Uh, and there's connections now just with this book to a different thing. It's like uh, has connections with the Dead Zone, right? Literary connections because it takes place in Castle Rock, right? Yeah, and and the killer, the serial killer in the Dead Zone in the book, he might have possibly been possessed. Cujo. That's right. Yeah. And there's another. <laughs> movie that takes place there's a how many take place in castle rock a uh, movies misery does right yep yeah needful things um okay. i know stand by me does okay, that's what i was thinking of yeah. stand by me yeah um or does misery that's what's that colorado misery oh yeah i was I, just thinking because rob reiner named his production company that that's what i was thinking it was misery yes. but it's not yeah um yeah, he did a uh, stand by me as well. Yeah, that's Do, right. Oh, I mean, go. if this had been um, paranormal, like, uh, like oh, the ser- the local serial killer possesses a dog. Um, if that had been the movie, I was thinking about like there probably wouldn't be the space for all the human drama stuff. You're right. They would become this thing. It'd be like, we have to get the crystal that lifts the curse of the dog. You know, something like that. Or so I guess I don't... Christine was like that, and you still got the human drama. It's That's interesting true. is Christine and Cujo, they don't give you anything on where they got their names. I know that there was something with Cujo that the reason Stephen King named it Cujo, mm-hmm. but not within the story. Yeah, and the, they're both uh, came out the same year. Cujo was just like around the schoolyard. Everybody was just saying Cujo, Cujo. I didn't even seen it, but oh, Cujo is just like a funny go-to book title. If it's you a need, great um, name. I think we had to get a, a uh, for me and uh, my wife Leslie's show Love. We had to get a Stephen King cover cleared for Cujo because in the pilot, there's a joke about. Uh, Kyle Kinane is really so funny, and he's playing a, uh, um, a a bad boyfriend who's like wants to have a competition while he's on coke. Who can read a book the fastest? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, somebody That's else right. came up with this joke, so I'm not like retelling a joke I came up with or something. Uh, the, I found this funny myself, uh, but that he's like uh, saying to Gillian. Uh, you read like War and Peace, 
and uh, I'll read uh, Cujo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it mainly is just like the word Cujo is so funny. It is. And then if you just set up the idea of a title of a book, it sounds so lofty. So when you hear the I title know. When without thinking, if you didn't know, you would think Cujo was like a Native American warrior who fights among the Union Army or something yeah. like that. Or yeah, yeah, know. yeah. It's, it, it would be like an inspirational story about a, yeah. a Native American warrior. But this is a dog, Saint Bernard, who gets rabies. And when you know who his owners are, too, what is Cujo to them? What? Where did they get the name Cujo? Yeah. Well. Oh, right. Do that family doesn't seem to be like them going like let's have the, uh, um, the J, the C U J O. Although I heard people once pronounce it Kuho because of the silent, they thought it was a silent yeah. J. But that family doesn't call him Kuho; they call him Cujo. Yeah. Um, that family, by the way, that owns Cujo beforehand. <laughs> it's really funny when you see an actor and you're like. I know I've seen him in something else. What's he most known for, though? Are you talking about the kid or the dad? The dad. Ed Lautner. Ed yeah. Lautner. Yeah. And uh, and now IMDb does this really nice thing where the first thing is the thing they're most known for, just yeah. kind of like the algorithm or whatever. So it's like, I know he's in Cujo, but what's he most known for? And I went to it. It was like, Cujo. <laughs> <laughs> but, Wasn't he in something else of ours? Is he in Extreme Prejudice? I know we didn't watch that, but uh, I know I saw it in your titles recently when we were watching Mr. Mom. Well, you're not thinking of Powers Booth because they look similar. He might be. Is, or is he in 48 Hours? I'm trying to think yes. he's like in some sort of... Um, or Beverly Hills Cop 2 or something. I think he is in yeah. 48 Hours. I, I, I feel like he plays like a, a bad cop. In one yeah. Of those, yeah. Um, and then his son is also a child actor of the 80s. So many things. I always like that guy. I do too. And then he grew up and he was in uh, Parker Lewis. Yeah. As the kind of cool friend. Uh, yeah. Not that Parker wasn't cool, but. And he was in a, um, I was a teenage sex mutant, which was like oh. a USA up all night oh. perennial thing. Did we talk, you know how Gilbert Godfrey died? Yeah. Uh, did we talk about this on the podcast? That it was like. Oh, I think he's a funny comedian, but like a big experience. He like introduced me to like exploitation movies because he did USA Up All Night on oh. Friday nights and then Rhonda Shear did them on Saturday nights and they would just show garbage grade Z movies like I was a teenage sex mutant. Oh. So when I saw Parker Lewis, I was like, the star of I was a teenage sex <laughs> um, uh But the thing about USA Up All Night was that they would just... It was titillating to watch a movie that would show everything except the nudity. Yeah. They would edit out the nudity. But as a 10-year-old when I watched it, I would have the fantasy that someone at USA would quote-unquote goof up <laughs> and accidentally run the unedited version and I would get to then see female nudity that way. Every week, I was like, "This could happen." I just think this is you. the week where they will goof oh, up. I just know it. Tonight's the night. Uh, and what if they goof up and then freeze frame? Oh my then, god! Then I take a picture and I save that oh. picture for the rest of my life. That's up there with your um, 
movie theater call and response for Freddy versus Jason for me. That's a <laughs> good one. That is wonderful. <laughs> uh, well, should we dive in? Yeah, dive in. Pause first. Yes. <laughs> um, the title, Cujo, the way it comes on screen, it's like, that's when I think, oh, are, are we watching like a sword and sorcery epic fantasy movie? Holy shit. It starts off with this like kind of like red blood that goes down like a drain and then it spells out Cujo. Now, this is right between The Dead Zone and Christine coming out. If you remember, those two have some dope-ass titles, yeah. too. The Dead Zone is like, it's coming out of the letters while the snow shows up. It's like Dino D. He just, just get him in the first five seconds, then don't worry about the rest. But then Christine, too. Remember, had oh, that yeah. awesome opening that was like nearly identical to the Cujo That's one, where right. it's like the, the logo comes up, and then Christine, and you hear engine revving and yes. stuff. Similar in that it's just like, then it's not even attached to the rest of the titles. It's just like the title graphic is its own thing. Right. But when I was watching it, it made me think like, if you were a paying audience member and you went and saw a movie at this time and it didn't have a cool title screen, were you like, get bent? Right. Yeah. Go screw. Go screw. I've seen Cujo and I know what's possible. What's the like coolest one for you in the history of like... Title screens alone that comes up and well, Temple of Doom's tough to beat with Willie Scott yeah, in front yeah, of yeah, the yeah, title. Yeah, that was like good. the first time I'd seen that kind of rotoscoping where it's within mm. the world. That's good. That blew me away. Yeah, I love Die Hard too. I just goes. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. What else? Uh, I like uh, well, Lethal Star Weapon too. Oh yeah, yeah, coming out and then the drip. Yeah, uh, the uh, the drippy too. I also like um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. What's it, that? It's similar to these like Carrie or uh, 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 Cujo and Christine ones where it's just like it fades in, it shimmers, and then mm. it like fades out. But it's like it comes up and it's like <laughs> a wailing sax. <laughs> it's like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> I haven't seen that in years. I need to watch that. Uh, it's oh well, it's a top ten, Maddie. I love yeah. Ray Raji Rab. Me too. <laughs> um, so yeah, that cool dope title, mm-hmm. and then um, Taft Entertainment Company presents very, very matter of fact, very frank. Yeah, la- white on black, as if it was at the austerity of President Taft himself. Yes. Do you think he had script approval of this? I know he did, yeah. And that's why it it was originally developed back in the Taft administration. <laughs> and he wouldn't approve it because he's like, the the mom and the kid have to have a reckoning in the car. And it, He had it, my hang yes, up. And it took till 1983 for his, his um, uh, you know, oh, okay to expire. Yeah, yeah. And that's why they finally made they it. They were finally able to. Yes. Well, now I wish President Taft had stuck around and gotten his notes. <laughs> I would have been happy. Uh, yeah, simple white on black. Another little interesting thing about the credits. D. Wallace, before the title. Yeah. I guess if you... Start in the howling, and then you start in fucking motherfucking ET. You're like, you put my name above Cujo before before the title of another character. D. Wallace gets yeah. a, gets top billing over Cujo, the star of this film. It's too bad they couldn't do the thing that I love most, which is you know, like Bill Murray is mm. Scrooged. 
Like D Wallace is Cujo. Bill Murray is screwed. Have you heard the news lately? Oh yeah, that it's funny because uh, we our last episode we had a conversation about oh when people fuck up they don't just fuck up themselves they fuck up everybody who was working on the thing that they were yeah they fucked up and then I read the news right after the Bill Murray thing and I was like oh it would seem as if. That's what we're. No, yeah, it, it seems was, like it. It's just it's a thing that you could always talk about. Now yeah, be the case. Um, it's kind of shocking because I usually heard lovely things. Mm. What I've <laughs> I'd heard lovely things. Oh, <laughs> uh, the uh, and what a great performance by uh, Danny Pintaro. Yeah, and he starts off good enough but man it does make me worry that they really frightened him on set because there are times when he is full-on crying for real yeah there are two times where it's like legit tears legit flip out it's it broke my heart yeah well that was my different experience watching this too was um it's not i've gotten soft or anything at all yeah you're it, a hard it, ass it, it was just uh yeah it was it was a case of like oh i've the Two times I watched this fully, the times in cable when I'd watch scenes, specifically the scenes where they're in the car. Oh, he's just identified with the kid. Yeah. And this is the first time where I was like, this would be hell, not because you're stuck in a car with a kid. It would be the hell of, I'm supposed to be in this situation to make this better for somebody and I can't. Like, that and the fact that I like watched Cujo and that never crossed my mind. Like that would be hard for the mom. Yeah. It was always just like, this would be tough for the kid having a mom who can't like get you out of this car. Yeah. She's, she plays it well. Cause she's, well, Stephen King said he thought it should be nominated for an I Oscar. Know. I think that's maybe going a little too far, but it is a very, it's a great performance. I think this is his favorite adaption adaptation, even over misery. Is that right? Or yeah, well, he used to love Stand By Me the most, right. and then he liked Misery. But I think he thinks Cujo's. Uh, mm. Yeah, I wonder. It's funny because it's like um, <laughs> that he likes it more than The Shining. But it, that is so funny. That's so obviously he's just got a real chip on his shoulder for The Shining. I don't know what it is. I just would think even if somebody changed your thing that Stanley Kubrick thought your thing was good enough to want to make it a movie, I'd be like touched for the rest of my life. I know. I mean, Children of the Corn got very changed. Yeah. Maybe he hates that just as much. Well, I was thinking this um, little trinity he likes, and I'm sure the people who read his books and love them and stuff would be better, have better thoughts about this. But just like... That setup, we've seen it a few times in these movies of the mom, dad, kid. Yeah. And I thought what was interesting with Cujo was there's two mom, dad, kids. Mm. And as one mom, dad, kid kind of moves in one direction, the other mom, dad, kid moves in the other. So it's like one mom, dad, kid, the dad has career turmoil that is taking him out of the town. The other mom, dad, kid, the mom wins the lotto that takes her out of the town. One mom, dad, kid, the mom is cheating on the dad and is kind of bringing the like pain to the, in the family. The other mom, dad, kid, the dad's a jerk, but it's funny that because they're all lives are all like working around each other. They get into the situation now where they're trapped in the 
car. Yeah. I don't think, I don't know if those are, but I, it did make me kind of go like, a, oh, the setup of mom, dad, kid. It just has so many permutations yeah. that even when you put two of them in a movie together, they can all kind of like yes. start being around in different ways. Yeah. Um, I mean, if I had to choose what family I was going to be in, it's tough. Actually, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I guess I'd go with the main family. Yeah, yeah. Although, um, Lautner's such a dick, but the mom's very nice. Yeah, I, it it did make me, I was like, kind of like, I guess I would rather actually be with a fully present loving mom with a dick dad, which was not my situation. Yeah, I had you're two, right. two fully there parents who I felt loved me and I loved them versus a not fully there mom and then a dad who's just kind of doing it because yeah. it's the like style to be. A- <laughs> Frankly, I might just go with the mailman. The one <laughs> Northeasterner <laughs> mailman up in uh, Maine here. What I was thought, up with that? I don't know, but I thought for sure he was put in this movie to die and he never died. What was up with that? He seemed like he was going to come by and be uh, uh, yeah. Cujo fodder. <laughs> Cujo fodder. <laughs> no. Cujo fodder. But I got that mailman didn't make me give, give us an opportunity to talk about a thing that I don't know if we've ever gotten to talk about what? on the podcast. The aesthetic beauty of the blue plastic safari hat oh, the, that mailmen yeah. get to wear. I know, the pith helmet, yeah. The pith helmet, the yeah. The standard issue plastic But I love the texture helmet. of it and the color of it. It's yeah. just like beautiful. Like I would yeah. sign up to be a postman just when I'd steal the pith helmet and run. I bet we could get you one. I wouldn't even wear it. I would just put it up on the mantle and Fair enough. jack off to it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'd wear it. <laughs> I had a... This morning I was listening to Aerosmith. And they had a song nice. um, called uh, Fallen in Love is So Hard on the Knees. That's a double entendre oh, of oral sex. Okay. Good God. So then I was thinking that I listened to Love in an Elevator. Oh, God. And I was like, okay, that's their other song their tribute song to oral sax yeah. fellatio or cunnilingus uh i was just like when did this song come out uh falling so hard oh, love is the news. and it was march 97 the last month of the lewinsky clinton fair it was in the air gorley aerosmith God. tapped in the zeitgeist and knew our president is probably falling in love so hard it's it's hard on the knees. I've long said that Steven Tyler is the chronicler of our times. More than Bob Dylan. He's the Samuel Peeps of the 90s. <laughs> I, I know that I'm in my world of friends and people I know, the biggest John Travolta fan. Mm. And I can probably, ooh, my friend Mookie Blakelock likes Aerosmith quite a bit. But outside of that, I think I'm the biggest Aerosmith fan I know. I mm. really love That's Aerosmith. how I feel about Def Leppard. I don't think there's... I'm not saying I'm an, no, but the, the, the world's biggest Def Leppard fan, but I'm probably the biggest Def Leppard fan of anyone I know. Exactly. 
Man, summer of 89, we were living it up, my boy. In an elevator, living it up while we're going With down. The, just Tethel pour some sugar on me when you're going down oh, in that elevator. God, love bites, love bleeds, bringing me to my knees. Now, they never, Aerosmith never crossed paths with Mutt Lang like Death Leopard did, <laughs> did they? Not that I know of. I think they were more... Um, Their loss. Yeah, yeah. Um, God, I wish... Um, they go on tour together sometime. We, we go see them together, buddy. I saw Def Leppard play with Ryan Adams. Brian Adams, sorry. Brian Adams. Yeah. Uh, I mean, either's odd, but... Brian opened for Def? Yes, I think so. Adams opened for Leopard. <laughs> <laughs> I think they might have been doing that thing like Elton John and Eric Clapton did it. In the 90s, too, where they maybe swapped each time. I don't remember. Oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I forget, but... True West style. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> That'd be awesome if you went and you saw a concert, Elton John, Eric Clapton, and then you came back the next night, and then they did True West. But Eric Clapton and Elton John did? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I went and saw Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf at the Geffen Playhouse this weekend. Hey, whoa. And right. remember what you brought up about curtain calls? And how silly and absurd they are. Yeah. And you brought that up and it kind of was like, I kind of laughed and I was yeah. like, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> they came up for the curtain call. And since you've said that, I was just like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. This is insane. It's insane. I can't see it any other way now. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. I, if I could just, uh, I'm willing to let go on the weird thing about the houses that shouldn't have stairs by the doors. Okay. okay. Uh, maybe I'm wrong yeah, on that. I maybe think. that's a little weird thing of mine that okay. I can let go. Yeah. But thank you for the curtain call thing. I, I agree. You're so I, right. But I, then everybody ex- expects them. Oh, it's an, I will so, never win that. I but mean, I think curtain we'll, calls are here forever. You kind of just have to come out and just do like a casual wave and then say thank you and good night. But to do this, the choreographed bow and the holding of hands, it's so strange. Well, the choreographed thing is also what's interesting about it because it was choreographed assumed we're going to get one. Right. And then it's like, well, of course that's assumed. And that's what's so annoying about all of this. Yeah. It and- would be nice that I could just like, the play's over, I get up, I walk out, I have my own thoughts and feelings about what I just experienced. But also, <laughs> the broke the breaking of character. And there's no reason live theater deserves that more than a film. So how crazy right. would it be for a film? And also, it just, it flies in the face of everything that the thing... The, uh, I don't know. The reality the, the, they're the trying to build. Of, like, <laughs> yes. I didn't need to know you were there. <laughs> and then, uh, no, I will drop the last two hours of work so I can look at you while you applaud for me. It's such a, I, I'm just repeating my yeah, arguments. No, but it is, I, it is. I'm with you. How was the play? Who was, it uh, was pretty good. It was uh, Zachary Quinto as George and oh, Calista cool. Flockhart as Martha. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, I think I may have mentioned that when I was like a first-year theater student in college, we had to perform from that and how ridiculous that was to have a 19-year-old play not only middle-aged people, but two of the hardest living, <laughs> middle-aged, jaded, life-experienced people. I and, only, then, and then are they playing opposite other 19-year-olds who are just playing the younger people? Honey and Nick and Honey. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So. Then I see it like most middle-aged people can't even play these roles. They're like Hamlet. They're like, you have to have a wealth of cynicism or at least understand that kind of thing. 
But now I am that age and I had a new insight into the play. And I think 30 years from now, I'll probably watch it again and go like, oh, you dumb kids oh, to George yeah. and Martha, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I had heard the, it was interesting that Krista Flocker was doing because she was in um, The Birdcage with Mike Nichols. Hmm. And so you just kind of go, oh, that would have been cool if Mike Nichols had been around and got oh. to direct her in a, because yeah. he directed Virginia Woolf. But the, that's uh, right. Uh, um, when I was the, the Mike Nichols, Virginia Woolf thing, he said the secret that Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton figured out was that they, uh, as much as they uh, vex each other, that they like deep down, like really, really love each other. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, that's a nice little one. It was harder for me. It was easier for me to get rid of Richard Burton and see oh. Zachary Quinto as George. Mm -hmm. It took longer for me with Calista Flockhart and it was no well she was dressed up as Elizabeth Taylor's character in the Flintstones she movie. was it was, was it was baffling. absolutely crazy and then it really started to work <laughs> one of those things that after a while you're like oh couldn't could have only been that she's dressed up as Elizabeth Taylor's character because like around the second act you go to intermission because there's three acts and you come back and <laughs> you suddenly start to notice that oh my god the set is a cave they're they're like Ivy League college house is a cave. And she, at one point, she pulls out the vacuum and it's a bird. <laughs> and honey, and Nick comes in and Nick just goes, bam, bam. <laughs> uh, there could have been a nice little Flintstones movie where Fred and Wilmer, like the older couple. Yeah. Um, this was years ago, and I even honestly, genuinely forget the couple I was with. But I remember uh, uh, I'm a pretty funny therapist, and I remember uh, I was saying to her, um, "Oh, last night or last weekend we went out, and uh, it was just kind of like a who's afraid of Virginia Wolf night. It was just like we were the younger couple, and we were with an oh. older couple, and we could kind of see there was ugliness going on. And my therapist is really funny. She was like." At least you were the younger couple. <laughs> it's like you're not sitting here me telling me like, oh god, we had this awful. We, we were so clearly the old couple to this innocent yeah. young couple. Uh, um, what else uh, after Kooji Kooj? Well, let's see. Um, oh, well, the beginning when he's chasing around the bunny. Do yeah. you think there was worries about Cujo's likability when he was chasing the cute? They must around? have tested it. Do you um, think there were worries that Cujo would catch the bunny and they'd have a dead <laughs> bunny on their hands on production? Could have happened. Maybe there's some scenes. Uh, I I read in the uh, uh, that Joe Dante had said to the director Louis Teague, "Reality is your enemy here. If you show like a dog get too messed up, or that's like why the D. Wallace." They just show a scene of her like with a bat hitting, hitting a point of camera. view, yeah, not a real dog, because the audience would be like, "You can make a dog as bad as you want." Yeah, uh, I'm not a big. I mean, of course, pro animal rights, but I'm not like somebody who's like, I don't want to see anything ever, you know. But when I saw the dog stick his head in the hole and there's bats flying around, yeah. I'm like. Well, for this dog, his experience right now is his head is stuck in a hole and he's having bats flying. Right, out. like yeah. We could talk about this right now, but sometimes I wonder, Matt, in a hundred years, are people going to be like, and I could be okay with it, go, 
Hmm. Owning an animal and giving it a name and projecting your personality onto it is a little weird, animal rights animal lovers, is it not? Yeah, I guess I it's... know that's a fire. This is the Mazel Tov the cocktail to throw in. Mazel Tov cocktail. Mazel Tov. I know what I meant to say was I know that's maybe nobody wants to hear that. I love animals too, and I don't like uh, owning pets. I don't like to think that it's fucked up, but yeah. Um, that's Have you a ever good wondered question. that? I think sometimes there's. I sometimes think that this is horrible because I'm sure owners will tell you differently. But like sometimes when people have dogs in a tiny apartment and they're kind of cramped up in there all day, that's not how a dog's meant to be. Mm-hmm. We have an indoor cat. She's perfectly happy but maybe i'm wrong i don't know you know it's it's well the flip there side are of that degrees. is i know There's uh, context bird lovers don't like cats that go outside yeah um because bird populations get all mixed up and margo will tell you she wants to get out she'll run out and then spend about two minutes out and kind of be like okay aren't you supposed to come chase me because i don't want to yeah. be out here where's that panda lasagna yes i love yes um i don't feel that way but uh uh i don't know wouldn't be surprised if somebody comes along loves animals a lot yeah it's like sometimes it's weird what you guys are doing yeah. but uh uh the uh other thing that i was thinking about um bob barker He's the horny dude, right? What? Bob Barker. We know he's like a horny guy. He's got to be. Uh, but I think he had like sexual harassment suits and stuff. Oh, that's right. That's um, right. I forgot about that. Childless, though. Oh. This horny man who's childless. You're talking about Ken? No, Bob Oh, Bob Barker. Okay. This horny guy who's childless seems to have a real big interest in the procreation habits of horny pets. I'm just saying sometimes people do weird things. What's going around in their brain. You think it's projection? Cause he can't have kids. Or he wants to spay and neuter the, Oh no, I think he can have kids. It's like, he's just like a guy who gets around. And he's like, I fuck around, but I don't want to have kids. Oh. And then he's like, Hey, I got to make sure these cats and dogs fucking around. Don't have kids. Matt, I shouldn't. It's hot. No, I really want to know. I'm in a hot house where I'm like, what am I saying? What is coming out of my mouth right now? Okay, look. It is. I just want to understand. Okay. I think I got it. Bob Barker, you know, at the end of the price is right. Turn on the AC a little. No, no, no. Come on. The Bob Barker, the price is right. You know, at the end, he goes, Spade or new to your Of course. Yes. Look, that is a good message to share. Right. episode is wild that now, I'm talking about. I want right you now. to follow this through to the end. No, because it's stupid and I hate it. Ugh. And now I can't access our Oh, it's okay. Uh um uh, keep going. You can do this. Okay. So you know he's that's a good message to share. Yes. I'm not disagreeing with that. Animals <laughs> should we should try to control the pet population. Right. But in the same realm that sometimes when a quirk about ourselves runs in alignment with a message that we can all agree on. Yeah. So you can kind of psychologically work I into that framework see. and it feels good and yes. nobody's like, 
Like how uh, Bill Maher is very sex positive worker, positive sex worker, because he's so into prostitutes. Well, and he's a big, he's in general a big animal rights guy. And this is going down an avenue. Just, we've said this before on the podcast. We've had the experience sometimes where somebody who really loves animals is a shit to humans. Oh, yes. I see what you're saying. And so with Bob Barker, I'm just like, oh, it's an interesting little thing that kind of went on with him, which is like, horny guy, not having kids. Also is interested in making sure horny animals don't I have see kids. now. I got it. You know, you did it. You got oh, there and we God. figured it out. But I still hate it. I wish I had never said it. <laughs> um, but, oh, yeah. Okay. I love animals and I love animal lovers, period. Well, let me ask you this about animals, specifically Cujo. Do you think that this is could have been scarier with a different type of dog or should have been a different is it is it good that Cujo's a lovable looking dog or would it should it have been a Rottweiler or a Doberman Pinscher or something? Oh well this gets at a little something I thought with some of the attacks, which were just like it does sometimes seem like Cujo's just plain. And he's just <laughs> lucky dog, lucky dog. Yeah, he's just kind of like jumping dog. on him. Especially that scene when he was trying to get up to the guy in the rafters and like the yeah. barn garage thing. Yeah. It was just kind of like, seemed like, hey, yeah. you got a ball for me to throw? Uh, especially when you know that the why he's attacking the car in the production is they put some of his favorite toys in the, <laughs> inside the Pinto. And he's just like, where's my, where my ball? Where's my ball? Where's my ball? Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think What's it probably would have been scarier with a yeah, like a Rottweiler or something, yeah. right? Because uh, this scene, I mean, a little bit of the Cujo in the room is like <laughs> the thing she does at the end. She could have done at the beginning with much more force. Yes, like from the very beginning, she could have jumped out of the car, ran to a baseball bat, and beat yeah. Cujo to death uh, when she had full energy. Yeah, um, <laughs> but she she didn't have full dire straits yet oh maybe she needed the thing the the classic thing of the car falls on the kid and you get a surge yeah. of adrenaline i did love that moment when she makes the choice to run to the door and it did that like cool little series of close-ups on the the door lock and yeah stuff. the editing too and there's yeah. some real stylized not just the look but the movement of the camera yeah. in this movie and yeah the style i think is yeah definitely the look and the yeah, just so many moments where they're just like, how can you come up with a new... It reminds me also a little bit of Duel, too. Of just mm. like, how can you figure out new ways to shoot something so it, it's the same thing, but... Different. I loved it. I just yeah. loved it. Um, the... Uh, uh, Louis Teague, I liked how his credit came around. It was like going around the house and then oh, his credit yeah. snuck out around the corner. Um he directed Alligator, which I love. That's how he got this job, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Stephen King saw Alligator. I've never seen him. Alligator. Alligator is really awesome, and mm. uh, 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 we should we could watch it. Yeah. Uh, um, it's a um, uh, great script and uh, great performance by Robert Forster. Mm. Um, uh, uh, the and that whole opening of without dialogue, just seeing a dog chase a rabbit. And then seeing the kid run into the bed scared, there's no speaking there, but I, I fully understood what was going on in all oh, of those. That's talent. So good. What a bedroom that kid has, too. Yeah, I noticed he had that thing that I've only seen in movies, the like lamp that's a bunch of balloons. Yeah, I noticed that, too. <laughs> Where Was that on a sitcom, too? Or some kid had that that I would see a lot. Well, I know it popped up in... um. 
Nightmare on Elm Street 2 because oh. it like starts to melt at some point. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and he also had a very ornate like rocking horse, I noticed. Was that the one that the local stud gave him? Oh, yes. So, but what was the context of him bringing that over? Did he make it? Did he buy it? Did he was he delivering it? Was he gifting it? It was just an excuse to drop by and visit Mama D. Oh, Mama D. Wallace, he's local scoundrel. Um, uh, I love their kitchen nook that they were sitting in their house. It was real cozy. Yeah, the family might have been having some dysfunction, but, but the. Nooks were cozy. The nooks were cooking. Um, what did you think of the commercial for Red Raspberry? <laughs> it's no maybe Scooter Tuna. I know. Vibes. I was gonna say it's no Scooter Tuna, but it's close. So Scooter Tuna commercial <laughs> and Mr. Mom in this one, I think the same year, nineteen eighty three, would lead me to believe that commercials were only direct address of the people who worked uh, at the an company. Older man. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that was um this was later, but the um that was later a thing with the um uh, Orville Redenbacher and like Barles and James. Yeah. People that's, took comfort oh, in that's right. old people tell them to eat stuff. <laughs> and then <laughs> there was the, like the fake version of that too, like Joe Azuzu. Yes. Do you remember the country croc hands? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what if they I bet that ad campaign would have been less successful if they had scabs on their heads. <laughs> um, or more successful. Yeah, and like, I don't hey, know why. They get me. They understand. This butter understands me. Uh, I, I punch walls. Doesn't mean I don't like lovely taste of toast. <laughs> I'm Harvey Wall Puncher. So then when the, that family goes to the weirdo country farm yeah. to get the car fixed um that mechanic is played by yeah ed lautner ed lauder lautner lautner um the way he's introduced though like barn door opens there's a mist a silhouetted character i was like is this gonna be jimmy stewart or jason Voorhees? <laughs> yeah oh <laughs> the, yeah there was, was also sm scary. like smoke and light and yeah it really was a quite an entrance uh cujo doesn't get an entrance like that no and like i said i wish i would have just gotten a little bit more Cujo on a regular day, yeah. So that I knew what I was losing Little when he became tasty. possessed. It or, should be a prequel. They should have a prequel to Cujo. That's just like Milo and Otis, where it's live like having a yeah. nice little adventure with a like a butterfly on yep. his nose or something. Yeah. Um, the uh, um, but uh, I like that it wasn't paranormal. But if he had been possessed, I think my fear level would have been different at the end because even though rabies is real and she could get rabies and that would be bad. Um, He's still very killable. Is yeah. Or there's yeah. a part, yeah, there's like a part of me that's like, well, this dog just got rabies. So this sucks, but it's not, I'm facing evil. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's... And then the fact that he I got it exactly. from bats, not... This is a bad movie idea, but just like a chemical that somebody spilled. Like, oh. there's no... You just kind of go like, nature got this dog sick. Yeah. And now they're 
I guess that's scary. No, I know what you mean. It's a trade-off because the part of it that works for me is that this could really happen and it's scary. But at the same time, you're right. It's not evil. Cujo's just got a disease. But what if he got bit by vampire bats and became like a vampire dog and it and she kills him with that bat the same way? Well, when she got bit, I was hoping she was gonna it was gonna be like a zombie vampire thing where she becomes Cujo. Oh, like her son looks over the car and she's like part fur. She's like, <laughs> I'm Bernard now, Daddy, Tad, Tad, as Tad. That's what he got too. He's got the title. Of the, yeah, the, the, introducing. Yeah, introducing that. Now, what did you think of introducing his Pac-Man lunchbox? That was pretty cool. Huh? I thought a lot of it. <laughs> Um, car is clearly running bad at 30 minutes you know what leads to trouble Matt adultery and a lack of car maintenance yes if you see that light come on your dashboard check it and then also don't sleep around tell Lois Childs from thanks for the ride lady creep show too then um you get that little mini human story of the woman winning the lotto. It's like a Tennessee Williams that play. That threw me. Yes, you're not kidding. That threw me because why wouldn't she say that immediately when he does a whole monologue about how dare she buy something for him? Right. Can we marry her to Tad's dad and D. Wallace Stones get to marry? I don't want to put her with the Lautner. Maybe she gets to marry the mechanic. She, or the marries, she marries the beard. Oh, yeah. Her lover. Although he turned out to be a real psychopath. Yeah. Because not only did he ransack their house, it seems that he went to great pains to spread pillow feathers throughout the entire house, not just stab them where they lie. You know how he tore, and then he also tore her photo, her headshot up in in four corners. Yeah. Um, I was hoping that there was going to be a twist that like, it wasn't him, it was Cujo. (laughs) And Kuzu came in and like <laughs> tore up her photo in four little squares. And when you put it together, you see a little paw print. <laughs> and that's how you know. Uh, can we do a pee break? Sure. We'll be right back. With and Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. With Pauly and Rust. Okay, I skimmed those notes. Thank oh, you, Brantley, because there was some interesting stuff in there. I forgot that 
there was a Labrador in a St. Bernard's costume. Uh, and I love the picture of that. Yes, too, that he, that he sent. sent. And yeah. a man in a, in a dog costume <laughs> as well. Amazing. Looked like it might have been even uh, Jan de Bont. In the costume? Yeah, I, I hoped, I prayed oh, that it was man. him. Wow. Um, and, uh, oh, the other thing, uh, uh, speaking of Jan de Bont, the, um, he became a director in his own right, in case people didn't know, he directed Speed. Yeah. And so he gave the look of all those like awesome 80s action movies and then directed one in the 90s. Yeah. But he also did this movie, Roar, you know, the Tippy Hedren. Oh, Melanie right. Griffith movie. I did, he directed or shot it? Uh, shot it, shot sorry. It. Um, Boy, but he loves animals biting people. Huh? But it's funny, it's like a reverse, right? Because in Roar, isn't it? I've never seen it. Like, um, I think that was more about how do we contain these wild animals and get performances out of them. And then with Cujo, it's like, how do we get this uh, sweet, docile dog to look evil? Right. He had like different jobs with those. But um, uh, he also did Flatliners, oh, the cinematography for that. That's not a yuppie nightmare, is it? No, it's, no. they're too young. They're not like yeah. established. But it is kind of like if St. Almost Fire was a scary movie. Yeah. That's kind of the idea of it. So maybe a little bit, but, uh, uh, flatliners. I don't know if I ever told you my, um, parents, uh, rented it and it was rated R and I didn't get to watch it cause it was rated R, but I was very interested in knowing what it was about. So as soon as it was over and the door opened in our living room and I ran and I was like, uh, how was flatliners? It was good. And I was like, what was it about? Uh, and my dad, who had obviously been very moved by Flatliners, <laughs> I was like, what was it about? And he went, it was about being a good person. Oh, my God. That's amazing. <laughs> Flatliners, the movie I returned to to remind me how to be to my family. <laughs> remind me how to be a good man and husband. Thanks, Kiefer. Yeah. Speaking of yuppie nightmares, I'm just realizing... We trustees, please sound off on what you want us to do next, but just do it on the uh, comments for this episode, oh, rather that's good. than rather than me putting up an extra thing. Just oh, yeah, just write it here. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. Um, then um, after yeah, what's your uh, well? They show a kids drawing in this, and it's top notch, actually drawn by kids. You think they got Danny to do it? I don't know if they got him or some other kid, but they did it right. Uh, now, Children of the Corn, not so much last no, time. No, no. And so, I told you that I was watching Outer Range on the Mr. Mom and Terry and that pretty decent show, th- shitty kids drawing in terms of... But the was, Mr. Mom did have good ones. Yes. Yeah. But the Outer Range one was like, not only did an adult do it, but... <sighs> A highly skilled yeah. artist, adult. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, the uh, 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 oh, okay. So when he goes and kills Gary, um, after the the misty, foggy morning, um, is that the same mist? That's the mist. All these mists. I, come I bet together. the same creatures that are in the mist were in that mist. Yeah. Uh. When Cujo goes and kills, like, Fred, that shit buddy who's always yeah. there to get killed by Cujo. Yeah. When he goes, there's a part where 
Cujo starts attacking him and then he starts fighting back and he goes, I don't give a shit. That's what I have that <laughs> note and I couldn't remember what that was from. Why is he saying that to Cujo? I don't know. And it's right away too where he's just like, I don't give a shit. Just like my life's sure. I'll get killed by a rabid St. Bernard. Why not? <laughs> Sheila left me. I lost my fucking I job. I don't give a shit. Bring it on. And yeah. I got gout. I don't <laughs> give a shit. Here, let me put an Alpo beard on you, fucker. I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I couldn't understand. He also called him a a, a son of a bitch. And yeah, I was like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right, Gary. Uh, excuse me, not an insult. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. This means pepper. <laughs> <laughs> I could call you the same, and it might mean something. But what if I just went son of a mom? <laughs> I don't give a shit. But uh, when I know I was saying the kill wasn't too good, but when Gary's body got discovered, I liked yeah, the gore of that. Yeah, that was yeah. good. That was good. Yes, um, Joe gets the that character gets the um, distinct privilege of being the first character who gets to see Cujo's weird eye snot thing. Oh, egg whites oh, and uh, like bicarbonate of soda and vinegar or something. Oof. Yeah. That, Cujo gets real messy by the end of this. Cujo has got serious flow. With Beethoven, now that we know he's Beethoven, I wish Charles Grodin had been in that car with him. <laughs> he could have gotten Beethoven on line. By the way, I looked into the notes and I was calling Steve Kemp, that character, Ken, because I think they kept calling him Kemp. And I. Oh, I thought that. I heard that too. So, okay. Um, uh, the. Um, yeah, at about 50 minutes in, you're seeing a real gross dog with a real crying kid, and shit gets real, real fast. Real brutal, real scary for me. And that was scarier to me than the underwhelming deaths. Like, when the kids started freaking out, I was like, oh, this is... Oh, by far. Actually yeah, that's when the death. movie got really tense. Yeah. I was, I was kind of on the edge of my couch. Well, I would have been on a tense because... You know, it's the day before that kid takes a pee break. I was thinking, if me and Matt had been oh in that situation God, with this podcast, kidding? people know we'd be in trouble. We'd have our dicks bitten off by Cujo. <laughs> Could be over there chowing down on two twin dicks. It was funny, though, when the doors open and you see Pedo, and the, you just see Cujo look over at the pee. It's like, uh, I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be awesome. Cujo was like Predator, and he like <laughs> takes in the sounds and voices of people he attacks <laughs> <laughs> so when he starts peeing he repeats I don't give a shit <laughs> fuck you <laughs> who said that that sounds like Gary but it's coming from Cujo this dog is possessed um, Cujo doesn't like the sound of loud sounds he doesn't like phones like when yeah. the phone rings he flips out and he breaks through the window I right. was hoping <laughs> he was gonna answer, answer the phone the and be like, "Quick, on!" Is the is the uh, man of the house home? <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, th and then shit really gets real when it's the next morning and it's a hot car oh, and a cold set but hot. they did a pretty good job of making it feel I really hot when i read that in brantley's notes that it was a cold set yeah. i couldn't believe it because I, I thought it was more 
oh, this is looks hot. They're making it work for the movie. Because they filmed this in Mendocino and parts of Northern California. You can tell because they've got those big Sur Cypress coastal trees that you only see there and then in certain parts of La Jolla and Japan. Because so it's it supposed to be oh, sorry. very specific to those climates. Oh. Maybe they have them in Maine, but I don't think so. Is that the same as where some vineyards would be? Is that kind of climate? Uh, no. no, it's it's coastal, misty, kind of inland from there. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I don't know if I've ever visited. I don't know if I want to now that I know Cujas are up running around there. No, he's in Maine because that's, you know. Oh, phew. But yeah, I just if you haven't Maine. been to Big Sur or Pebble Beach or Carmel or Monterey. Oh. That's beautiful. I went to Carmel by the sea. Okay, there you go. Read Freedom. What? Uh, the Jonathan Franzen book, Freedom. Oh. I read it on a trip to Carmel by the Sea. Oh, that's nice. Um, kind of a bleak weekend. <laughs> Amanda and I once stayed in Carmel on our, like, maybe our first trip out of town. I don't know. We stayed at a place called the Fireside Inn. Fire, yeah, Fireplace Inn. I may have told you this. And the lobby just had like a one bookshelf of VHS movies you could rent and they had a little TV VHS combo in each room and we rented the bodyguard and overboard. Oh my God. That is heaven. Yeah. And like we had just started dating. So we were like high on pheromones and watching those movies. Yes. It was heaven. Oh my gosh. And the chemistry of both those pairs. Couldn't. They'd set the screen hold on a fire. candle to Amanda and me. <laughs> They held a flickering birthday candle when yeah. it came to the the hot country. <laughs> I realized I was going to have to finish that sentence. I was like, what am I? I don't want to finish this. Um, when Jaws starts attacking the car. Jaws? Oh, my God. When Kuja starts attacking the car like Jaws, I thought to myself, I want that fake Cujo head. That's that the prosthetic battering ram head? Yeah. Oh, I know. I just put that on like a... Have it be the little knocking thing on the, my front oh, door. Yeah. The Kuja's mouth. Or like somehow that's how your toast is delivered to you. Just <laughs> out of a cabinet and just. <laughs> oh, God. And you have like a Danny Pintaro mitt that you catch the toast <laughs> with. <laughs> you know what? Another thing I would want to deliver my toast is that. That. Eye orb in Return of the Jedi that comes out of Jabba's palace gate. Yeah, here's your toast. We'll get one of those. I bet before we die, like in bed, one of those will come out. And be like, what do you want for breakfast, <laughs> frog? I. You just, speaking of breakfast, when I was watching this Kuju, they have two mornings where they have to wake up. Yeah, I get so oh. testy when I'm hungry. I was like. Within six hours, I'd be like, I'm going to see if that house has some lucky charms and start yeah. running. Oh, you wouldn't go for the Star Brand cereal, like Twinkles and <laughs> what was it, like Full 16 or something? Like Sweet 16? It was really weird. The name of their cereal? One of them, yeah. Oh, wait, she never pees? Why is my voice so high? <laughs> she never pees? Yeah. That's um, rough. P. Wallace. P. Wallace. Non, non P. P. Wallace. Wallace. Don't. Kidney stones. Can we just, real quick, that is kind of such a weird plot point that runs through the whole movie is the ad campaign yeah thing. especially at the strange. end when there's like a p- 
pivotal scene between <laughs> two men. You can't go. You can't go. I understand. You're under the pressure. No, it's my wife and kid. Okay, you can go. <laughs> what a fucking stupid scene. Well, I also don't know why they're going to lose the account. It had nothing to do with the advertising. I thought that too. I was like, if anything, they'll be like coming out smelling like a rose because it's like, oh, you had that genius campaign that got like messed up because of the company. Yeah. Come work for us or right. work on our campaign. It was, seemed Also, this is how he finds out the news. Or this is, yeah. He doesn't get a call from the company. No. He's getting it from the morning news. Well, when you see the office of that ad campaign place, it's, yeah. They Dude, run it out of their garage. I know. <laughs> um, They're just lucky they didn't do like ads for dog food. Okay, come on, Matt. <laughs> uh, oh, when she started like hitting him with the bat. Yeah. Uh, you know, I did think like they could have done this earlier, but also like as soon as she knocked him back with a thermos, I know I was like, okay, I think this dog is yeah. in your realm of He's beating. All bark and no <laughs> but guess who is bite? Danny Pintaro, who was doing the seizure scene, really bit the mom, and her reaction was real. Who's the real Cujo here? <laughs> I read that. And I wish I had known when I was watching the scene because I would have looked for the moment. Um. Yeah, there's a part when he's saying, I want daddy or I miss daddy. And she says, oh, I know you miss daddy. And I was like, that seems d like, I know. <laughs> it is funny, though, because that is a experience you have uh, as a parent, which um, you'll be with your kid and they're just like, I miss mommy. Oh. I wish mommy was around. And you're not, you can't take that personally because it's just like, oh, they want their parent around. Yeah. But it, it is funny that you can't help but take that as like, because you suck. Yes. The, read between the lines. I'm having that right now. All day long, Glenn and I are so... She smiles at me. We have mm -hmm. such a great time. But the thing I have not been able to master is the nighttime bottle. Even when Amanda's sitting right by us, I sit down with Glenn, put the bottle in. She'll take a couple sips and then just arch her back and start screaming because she wants it's to be in mommy's you. arms. Yeah. Uh -huh. And it was hard not to take it personally. Yeah, and I'm yeah, not yeah. speaking to her. I haven't spoken to her in weeks. <laughs> and she hasn't spoken to you in weeks. No. It's, not, she hasn't it's, spoken a word it's, that she's been No, bored. no. It, I'm, I'm living in a hotel. Uh, but it, like, yeah, under those circumstances, like if you were in a car trapped with Cujo out there and your kid's saying I wish the other parent was around. <laughs> It'd be hard not to take that personally. Well, I wish we had a different dog. <laughs> Shithead. I wish we had Beethoven as a dog. What do you think of that? Yeah. Um, the uh, I think the thing that most sticks with me having watched um, Cujo was the kid waking up and like sucking on his throat. And that's and just from dehydration. He didn't have a prior condition, right? Right. No, it is like, yeah, just dehydration. Yeah. But it does seem like maybe like in panic room. Oh, my daughter was yes, asthmatic. I thought I missed her. something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I think it's just like, I mean, my, uh, it's funny because I saw that probably when I was like eight or nine. And I remember my mom explaining to me what was happening in the scene, which is kind of its own mini version of what <laughs> like she's like, I'm here for you. Don't worry. I'll explain. <laughs> I miss daddy. God damn it, Paul. <laughs> uh, I, 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 um, this is just a little other side thought here, um, that I had on the drive over here. Yeah. Um, 
listening to an interview with an author. And in the interview, he was, it seemed like he had some misogynistic points of view. And then he started talking about his mom. And I could tell he didn't have much, he didn't think his mom was like bright. Mm. And I thought to myself, like, um, my mom is incredibly bright. And I've thought, my mom is way smarter than me. She, she just has a, you know. And uh, along with that, not to say I'm free of misogyny, but I'm not battling misogynic, misogynistic impulses right. in my life. And I did think, like, it seems... <laughs> Why am I talking about this in the Cujo podcast? I'm curious. Like, this ugly thing of misogyny sometimes seems to come out if, like, a guy didn't have a respect for his mom. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's the mom's fault of, like, not getting the respect. I'm just saying it's the kid's problem that he couldn't, like, work that out. Yeah, it's possible. It's not all things. But that makes a certain amount of sense if you didn't have a great experience with your mother and you resent her somehow. I'm sure that carries over. It's the same you know, you could say generally why there's the quote unquote daddy issues of girls or something. Yeah. You know? Like, I don't know. I certainly don't know, but yeah, I've wondered that before. Cause there've been times where I've thought like, do things get stickier between parents and their children when they're the same gender? Because you go, uh, it's easier to project into that person because you go, well, I was you and I had those experiences and then it's a little easier to have grace and then what happens to gender fluid kids who don't even identify with one as as who they are or to have the opposite to reflect upon? Well, and I'm probably talking in such old-fashioned terms, too, of how somebody understands a mother and a father and gender and stuff, too. And, like, I'm definitely a product of being born April 1981 in Lomars, Iowa, too. You know, but were so, you yeah. heading somewhere Cujo-wise with this? Was, like, Tad and... Uh, oh, um, I think what it was was um, maybe it was partly just like I do feel like in Stephen King books in these works that um, uh, and this isn't to say what is progressive, what is non-progressive or whatever, but it's just like uh, I feel like in other King stuff, the wife the mother gets more of a benefit of the doubt mm. and in this one it was just kind of like a little uh harsh and so it was just a harsh um her the portrayal the portrayal of her character you know or just like not harsh maybe it's just being open to having complexity it's just just sit down and uh be like I'm this is gonna be the the story of like an adulterous mom who like finds a way to be there for her kid but not quite I don't know it's just like yeah I, I that's what I was trying to get out in the earlier part of this podcast is I think you could have a story where a man is philandering and then becomes a good man by the end and you don't carry any weight with it yep. where this one doesn't have as easy a time understanding what what it's trying to project or or where it wants to end up and i found i had to do that on my own because 
there's a there are a few things where she's not painted in a positive light. Obviously, the affair, sometimes the way she responds to her kid. But I felt by the end, even though they didn't telegraph it, and I'm not even 100% sure it was there, but I kind of chose to see, no, she's a flawed woman who's good at her in yeah. her core and, and only cares about her son, even if she has some like uh, – tough times with like knee-jerk reactions and stuff as anybody probably would. Right. That's or, why I really yeah. started to like this movie yeah. that I just felt like this became very real where almost yeah. her survival instincts came in at the expense of kid gloving her child. Uh-huh. And I just ended up loving that. And yeah. Dan, part, I think most of that is it's not really there in the script, but D. Wallace puts so much yeah. dimension. She's so good yeah, in this yeah, movie. Yeah. And so is the kid that that stuff shown through for me and – maybe a masterful script with those performances would really knock it home. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I definitely respect the the movie for making like, it's a big target on a movie's back to have a, any characters who the main character cheats, especially a woman. But then yeah, people definitely have their own hangups about that uh, in a movie um, or TV show. But we can agree that regardless of whether this portrays this character, well, the cops in this movie are the absolute worst cops that have ever. It's so funny when the cop comes out and he first steps out of the car and he's just like sweaty and out of shape. I'm like, you are not making it, man. Sorry, Kujo's got your number. But then also, the well, first of all, he doesn't pull his gun when he sees a ton of blood on this Pinto. Right. He just kind of walks by it like no big deal. Then the cops later after <laughs> Steve Kemp does his thing. The husband's like, aren't you going to go look for him? Yeah, I guess we will. Yeah, we will. We'll this get is, to it. This is not the same sheriff I saw. It's the same character, I think, that Tom Skerritt played yeah. in Dead Zone who needed to get his man. Get Tom Skerritt's version of this guy in there yes. and he would have taken care of it. And then also just throw Christopher Walken in there. Oh, just I did wonder what the- would happen if there was like five people in the car. Like a station wagon, the yeah. whole family, family of five. <laughs> yeah. And then they could start getting picked off. Ooh, that's good. They're Ooh. like, I'm going to make a run for it. Okay, you go. Like, that's basically what the raft is in Creepshow 2. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which I guess is its own version of like Lifeboat. Yeah. Uh, I think Alfred Hitchcock should have added a Cujo to Lifeboat. Yeah. Just have a Cujo swimming around there around the yes. Lifeboat. Add some stakes. Yeah. Add some stakes. That's what Cujo wants. When Steve Kemp goes and breaks into their house when they're not there, he before he does anything, he essentially plays what I would call the knife harp yeah the little like tender touches of the gin uh uh, uh the cuisinart the knife char- chimes because you don't know he's there for nefar- nefarious reasons at that point yeah so when that's the first sign and you just like i first i thought he's reaching for the knife because he thinks something's wrong and i he thought wants that to too help. yeah and then he just kind of <laughs> caresses them <laughs> The fact that that's all happening with like 15 minutes left of the movie. I know. Yeah, yeah, Well, because you know that in any 80s film, there's a 15-minute climax and a two-second ending, (laughs) which this movie – because I wrote, I'm really into this movie. This is a good fucking movie. All it has to do is stick the landing. And it did for me because it had that 80s abrupt ending. Like I would – for what this movie is, this genre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To me, this was almost a perfect movie. Not a really great movie, but I really liked it for that reason. Oh, man. That makes me happy. That's great. Um, Yeah, I don't think um, – oh, oh. um, At the very end when Cujo – attacked her and like he was dying and stuff before he 
jump through the glass. Yeah. I was hoping that they were going to give like Cujo the capacity to like manipulate her or like she's about to kill him and then he gives like big puppy dog eyes. <laughs> and then she's like, okay. And then he's like, no. Who <laughs> me? Uh, and also, I thought the ending, I'm not going to say the fingerprints are all over the ending of Friday the 13th Part 2. But they're pretty yeah. similar oh, with yeah. the like surprise jump through the window. Sure. But it's funny because it's the reverse of Friday the 13th Part 2, which is a dog comes through the door and they're like, oh, that's not, it's not Jason, it's a dog. And then Jason comes through. Yeah. But in this, it's the dog that comes through. The dog should have thrown... Adjacent through the door. <laughs> yes. They should have had a fake out where they think Kujo's at the door, but it's Jason. Or the rabbit. Just <laughs> yeah. the rabbit. Then he the pops door. through. <laughs> yeah. Um and I love the uh yeah, that surprise frame. The frame? The, um the freeze frame? But uh, yeah, oh. the, but uh the whole last like um all the stuff with the mom from when She's like wakes up in the morning in the car and then makes all the choice to like get out and mm -hmm. try to run around and then get chased and stuff like that's all uh, gangbusters. Top love notch. it, love it. Notice the was it the Camber? Was that the name of Ed Lautner's family? The Cambers. Yeah. They were not eating that brand of cereal. They had Kellogg's cornflakes. Oh. Yeah. So do you think it's a that cereal is for different people? <laughs> they can't. They can't afford. Oh, the, the yuppie. Oh, it's like an expensive, the top expensive shelf cereal. Cereal brand. Maybe you're right. The kind for families that have, you know, those lamps with balloons. Yeah, just real snobby families. Brand. Yeah, to reduce its prices, where while times are tough, and take a play from the Schooner Tuna book. The tuna with heart. That's all I got for notes. How about you? Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's do Same. best kill. Okay. Now, I wished the Misty Morning Hop had gotten uh, that that ended a kill. As much as I like that boy and I wouldn't have wanted the boy yeah. to die, that was so going in direction of like, I love the atmosphere of this and the kind of like twisted, weird, like old yeller. Vibe. I thought the mom and the boy were going to die. Yeah. I even when you see the mailman the first time in the mechanic, I just went two deads. Oh, yeah. They and, just seem like yeah. two kind of like perfect towny yeah. characters. Um, yeah, I think I, I, I got mine. Okay, what's yours? Uh, the the the, the sheriff, um, who gets chased yeah. by Cujo around in the barn. I also liked when he got died. Cujo just kind of like ate his side. Yeah. Um, I would have liked it by that point. Just Cujo's just like eating faces. <laughs> Wouldn't that be good? Just yeah. chomps down on a guy's head. He could take a full face off in one bite. Uh, but I think how that all kind of um, unfolded, I, I like that. I'd be with you on that too, but I think I'm going to go Cujo. Do I remember, am I Mandela affecting this? Was there a squib on Cujo when she shoots him? Or you don't see it? Oh, um, I didn't see it. I don't think they show it, do they? Got it. Animal squib. That'd be cool. It's It's been done, right? Really? Uh, I don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure. Sadly, it's been done. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. But I'll go Cujo because that one I just felt it Vis viscerally. That's right. Okay, so let's recap here. The dead zone, I gave it an 11, you gave it an 11.5. Is that silver bullet? I gave it a nine, you gave it a nine. 
Maximum Overdrive, I gave it an 8, you gave it a 7. Misery, I gave it 12, you gave it 12.5. Okay. That's the benchmark. That's the highest we've had, <laughs> right? Christine, I gave a 10, you gave an 11. Children of the Corn, Corn Kids Up the Butt, <laughs> I gave it an 8, you gave it an 8. Cujo out of 13. What, I gave Misery a 12. That's what I need to measure it against. Where do I feel? I think oh. I have mine. Okay. I'm going to go eight and a half. Okay. I give him misery 12. I'm going to give this an 11.5. Hey, all right. I really liked Cooge. The Cooge. Okay, so the cooge, that means the cooge. we've only got two left. It's... The, the mist and carry and the numbers are, and this is no correlation to okay. the way okay. I read them. Seven and one are the numbers. Let's go one. Carry. Really? Oh, so that's not. Oh, oh no, we, I blew it. Ah, oh, that's all right. I blew it at the very end. That's quite all right. Well, <laughs> I guess we don't do. The movie. Yeah, right? we shouldn't just do them, I guess. No. Well, the silver lining of that is then maybe we can take a look at it. It was like Carrie was the very, very first Stephen King adaptation ever. Oh, right. And then we the next week we do The Mist, which is the most recent of the King movies we chose. So we can that's a nice way to look at it. First and first and lasts. No, no, we've been looking at this all wrong. <laughs> Fate does not want us to go one, two, one, two, one, two. Fate wants all the seas together, which it did. That's fate. It's like a final destination thing where at the end you're like, no, no, you're wrong. They didn't yeah. want us to go every other. Can't you see? And you underline all the seas. They wanted all the seas together. Like, shit, what's next? <gasps> Room 1347. Well, good thing that doesn't start with a C. Yeah, good thing. The commie cockers. <laughs> <laughs> the commie cockers. Uh, all right uh, that that's a uh, uh um joe mccarthy's biggest nightmare <laughs> the clawn mower man can the who can cut the cheese the clawn mower can man can so join us next week yeah sound off in the comments of this episode whether you're um I mean, I, I, I'm strongly into this yuppie nightmare, but if you've got other ideas, let us know. Come see us 5-3 at the Federal Bar. Yeah. And uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah, we'll see you next week. Cujo lives. <laughs> For more Gorley and Rust content, head over to patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust to get episodes ad-free and a whole week early. Plus, monthly mailbag episodes and feature-length watch-along film commentaries of your favorite horror classics. That's patreon.com slash withgorleyandrust. Email us at withgorleyandrust at gmail.com and your questions might be featured on a future mailbag episode. With Gorley and Rust theme song by me, Mac Wood, and performed by Townland. You can find us on Instagram as Townland Band, as well as Paul's fantastic band at Don't Stop or We'll Die. And why not rate and review with Gorley and Rust on Apple Podcasts? It'll help us grow the show and keep us trucking through the Jasons and the Michaels, the Leatherfaces and the Chuckies, the Aliens and the Candymans.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.